Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finsider Radio. I'm your host, Josh Houts, and I'm joined once again by Jake Mendel. This is the second installment of our Jake and Josh podcast. Jake, how are you doing today, man? I'm feeling feeling pretty good, dude. You know, I'm ready to get in here, talk about some dolphins. And, you know, it's, it's exciting to talk about the dolphins, but I got to say, there's a new Call of Duty game that's free to play that's like Fortnite that just came out. So, I mean... That seems a little appealing too. I gotta, I, I gotta admit, I gotta throw that out there. I'm kind of my interest is peaked for a lot of different reasons, whether it be you know football or or the nerdy side's kind of coming out a little bit. Yeah, and you brought up video games, so I kind of have to also bring up my nerdy side. And I don't know if you saw, but NFL 2K is going to start producing football games again, and it's been since what 2005 since they were able to do that. And I don't think they're going to have the exclusive license, or they're not going to be able to make a simulation style game, but. I mean, I'm excited because any type of 2K game, you know, that that was the best football game I think they've ever made. So I'm excited to hear about that. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but uh, that's uh, hopefully that means the end of Madden and this monopoly that they've created over the last few years. I don't want to get too big into it. Um, The local Walmart used to do um, Madden tournaments actually every fall, but in uh, one year... I uh, actually did pretty well. I, I made it to the finals. However, in the semifinals, I faced the person in the finals' brother. Um, so he basically kind of gave everything away. I'm not saying that's the reason I lost because, you know, he was a lot more skilled than I was where I kind of knew my team. Obviously, I knew the Dolphins, knew how to use Reggie Bush at the time, Devon Bess. Uh, we're just making it work down the middle. And I actually got to play inside a movie theater, which I really don't recommend because it's way too big. Uh, for trying to do something like that. But no, you're right, because um, everyone's finally going to wake up to the pitch of Madden saying this is the b- best one ever, when it's just the re- rehashed same game every year that really hasn't gotten too, too much better. Sometimes it's even gotten worse. Yeah, and speaking of getting better, we know that this is the most important offseason in Miami Dolphins history. I mean, I think we can admittedly say that. And today, the compensatory draft picks were announced. We know that the New England Patriots, once again, had a record high four, but the Miami Dolphins... They received a fourth-round pick, the 141st overall pick from that Jawan James move, and then a seventh, which is 251st overall for Cameron Wake. And, you know, it's not as good as a lot of people expected. We know if Jawan James played and, you know, was healthy and played up to the same level that we expected, you know, once he left, that huge hole left on the Dolphins' offensive line. I think Denver thought they were getting a little bit more out of Jawan James, and they definitely thought they were this season. He was obviously hurt. That third-round compensatory pick that a lot of us kind of thought it would be is now a fourth. Cameron Wake, you know, one of the best Dolphins in recent memory. You know, he went to Tennessee. 
I don't even know if he played. I don't even know how many games he played, to be completely honest. But I think that was supposed to be a projected maybe a fifth pick. That's now a seventh pick. So the Dolphins now 14 draft picks, six in the top 70. It's a huge deal because, I mean, I, I don't know. They've never had this many. They, they never had this much cap space, and they haven't had this much uh, co- uh, draft picks to use. So it has to be the most important offseason. I don't know how you, about, how you feel about that, how you think feel about either of these players, but I'm excited, man. And we knew those compensatory picks were coming in, but now to see it come to fruition, 14 draft picks, we're one month away. Time to get excited. Yeah, and the, the issue is, you know, the, the saying in theory, because you'd rather it just be set in stone. And um, the the wake thing was crazy because I, I appreciate sure an awesome week one. I believe he had two sacks, but but I think he was he couldn't be found on the field after that. And that's kind of where you go into the what makes the Patriots so, you know, a step ahead is in terms of this comp formula is that they get rid of players when they should, you know, they don't hold on for those, you know, memories for those one to two games where, you know, a Cameron wake will most certainly seem like he's worth it. You know, the, the top tier player that we've all loved for years, but um, it seems like that was kind of a move. The dolphins waited a little too long to make. If they do it a couple years sooner, you wonder if that seventh round pick is, you know, a fourth round or a fifth round, something like that. But Hey, that's not what we're really here to talk about. And you're most certainly right. It is an extremely, exciting time but it's hard not to think about uh that 2013 season and as strange as it was you know everyone kind of remembers different moments of their life you know you can kind of picture you know where you were what you were wearing I remember where I was when the Dolphins traded for Philip Wheeler or excuse me just signed Philip Wheeler and Danelle Irby I forgot neither of those were trades and they cut Carlos Dance but you're just thinking oh my god this is insane um I was working at a little variety store I was wearing this sweater that I've wore maybe like three times I thought was pretty hip it's just all these things I remember how important that offseason was for the Dolphins they had their young quarterback in Ryan Tannehill they were all putting it together they signed Mike Wallace but that didn't really work out like how we wanted it to yeah it left us with egg on our face and there was nobody I mean there weren't a lot of people on Twitter back then, not like there is now. I mean, that's the Mm -hmm. place to go for your Dolphins information. There was no one more excited for Mike Wallace before it happened, after it happened. I mean, I don't know if it's because I lived in central Pennsylvania. I don't know if it's because I just wanted that explosive wide receiver. And, I mean, he had some production here. I think a lot of us see the money that he got and how he, what, lasted two seasons, if that. And he just kind of fizzled off. But he did have production while he was here. We all remember that him and Brandon Gibson doing that postgame press conference, but you're absolutely right. The last time the Dolphins had this much uh, space and draft capital, it just did not work out. You just kind of hope that that is behind us, and this is a new era of Dolphins football. It's kind of starting to seem that way. We're going to jump into offensive line talk, and there's some offensive linemen on the market uh, You know, the Dolphins could have interest in. One quick note, and we're going to talk about free agency later in the week, probably heading into – it'll probably drop Monday, heading into, you know – this free agency period, it's going to be absolutely crazy because I don't know if you saw, but they pushed back the franchise tag. Uh, I think they're voting on the CBA maybe the day before that. They pushed back the franchise tag. That'll be Monday, and then it's jumping right into, I believe, Tuesday when free agency starts. So it's going to be a whirlwind. We know how this legal tampering period may may or may not affect it, but let's be honest. These guys are talking to teams. You know, Things are going to start to leak towards the end of this week. Early next week, players are going to be signed, and it's just going to be a crazy few days because again the Dolphins have a hundred million dollars in cap space you know they have these draft picks where we're going to talk about Trent Williams you know Gabe Jackson came out today he's on the trade block that's a 28 year old guard who he was hurt last season yes he's set to make nine and a half million over these next three years but you know if the Dolphins want a Joe Tooney like you said you know 
New England knows what they're doing. They're getting rid of Tooney. They're getting rid of Van Noy. You know, there's a couple other guys that they're getting rid of. You got to kind of think maybe the Patriots have seen their best football, and maybe it's not wise to go out there and, and spend the bank. So let's talk about offensive line. Let's talk about some of these veterans that the Dolphins could approach. Who's the guy that you like? You know, what do you see a realistic trade being? We know Trent Williams is out there. How, how do you feel about a Trent Williams in Miami? Actually, uh, I'm going to cut you off on that for just a second to kind of reel it back to talking about free agency beginning. Um, Greg Rosenthal, uh, I'm a Western Mass guy, uh, born, raised. He's a Western Mass guy, so I've I've had some talks with him on different podcasts and whatever it may be. Uh, NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal is saying that this weekend, the amount of different uh, rumors that are going to come flying right after the CBA is announced one way or another. He said this Saturday to Sunday might be the most intense, you know, couple day stretch in terms of free agency that we've ever seen in football. And that, that should just really get you jacked up with everything the dolphins have in store. And for that, to kind of give you guys a kind of peek behind the curtain, we try our darnest to, to, you know, record on Sundays, but you know, if there's a little mix up here, a little bump, we'll just, ah, we'll push it to tomorrow. We'll push it to tomorrow. And here we are uh, recording on a Tuesday night, but we're going to do everything in our power. And we're not even just going to do that. We are going to have a show on Sunday to kind of talk about it all because the hype for it is going to be crazy. I think there's going to be a lot that comes out after that CBA domino really starts to fall, but back to Trent Williams, man, I don't think I understand or what what people mean when they say the Dolphins need to focus on the offensive line and then they just want to draft offensive linemen. I feel like there's a little disconnect where you can't say one without the other really being a part of it. You need to really, it seems, attack an offensive line. If you want to make it better, you have to do both, you know, get them on the open market or, or already established veterans in the league and also some some rookies so when you see someone like trent williams is available you talk about all the resources the miami dolphins have available you hear people saying that hey this is one of the deepest draft uh classes in terms of tackles i don't know why you don't double triple up in terms of getting you know trading for someone like trent williams you draft a guy or two i still remember brandon elbert signing him and you know there was just he was doing like a press conference or an interview or something limping around. He was dealing with an injury and don't get me wrong. Elbert was a trooper. I really liked him. Great um, locker room guy. He just looked up and saw, you know, the, there was like some splurb about the dolphins and, and the turmoil they're in or the, the downward spiral of the season. And, and I remember reading an article saying he just, you know, just disappointedly shook his head knowing that, you know, he wasn't necessarily a part of it. And what I'm trying to say here is, you need more than five offensive linemen to have a good offensive line. You don't need five good offensive linemen. You need seven or eight pretty solid ones, I feel. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 
Yeah, I completely agree, and I'm not going to lie. When you start talking about how this could be the craziest weekend in recent memory, I got goosebumps just thinking about it. I don't think the <laughs> Dolphins are going to be you know, the Mike Tannenbaum or the Jeff Ireland Dolphins where they go out there and they spend an absurd amount of money, but they have it. And I keep hearing rumors that you know maybe with this new CBA, they're going to have to spend a lot of that money. So you know, they need a pass rusher. They need offensive line like we're going to talk about. They need a lot of stuff. So if there's every time to you know spend highly on a guy that you know can be an anchor there – do it. And I think a lot of people, uh, you know, to play devil's advocate, they see a guy like Laramie Tunsil that just left, 25 years old. He wants about the same amount of money that Trent Williams does. The only difference that I don't think people are understanding is Trent Williams has been one of the best left tackles in football for several years. And we know he, he had his issues last season in Washington. I can't honestly speak on what that was. But, you know, if you can give up a third-round pick or, you know, maybe it costs a little bit more than that. Maybe you make a package deal to move up there to that number two spot where the Dolphins can get a Tua Vailoa. Now that everything seems to be on pace with that, but Trent Williams, he's going to be 32 as the season begins. He's seeking roughly $20 million, but I think it was C.K. Parrott, Chris Kaufman of three yards per carry. I think Simon Clancy also kind of doubled down on it. You know, Trent Williams can play left or right tackle, and I think that would be a huge, uh, you know, a huge resource to have as you're heading into the draft where you mentioned it. Offensive tackles, there's a, a bunch of good offense tackles. But, you know, after it hits that second round, you know, it starts to fall off. So you're sitting there and you get your quarterback at five and then at 18 or 26, you're looking at an offensive tackle to have a guy already on the roster that is playing at a Pro Bowl level, you know, and we sit here and we say he's going to be 32 years old. Offensive linemen play, you know, late into their 30s at some time. So I'm not too concerned about that. But you get a guy that can play left or right tackle. Then you get, you know, a guy that might be a pro- primarily a left tackle or primarily a right tackle like a, a, a Wills or you know you go after a Tristan Wirfs whoever it might be you can then plug and play and move those guys around however you see fit so I do understand both sides of this you know why I give up a draft pick and give up 20 million dollars to a 32 year old tackle but you know he, he doesn't have those issues that some of these other guys do and eventually you're gonna have to start paying offensive linemen if you want to see that type of success you're absolutely right you can't go into this draft and expect to get two rookie offensive tackles and have everything be good because that's just not how it works I, I want to get your thoughts on Gabe Jackson because that's another guy you know the Dolphins need a guard you know they need everything on the offensive line let's be completely honest Daniel Kilgore maybe he's back at center but at, at some point they're gonna have to even replace him Michael Dieter you hope again he can have a nice second year but they're going to need another guard, and you got Gabe Jackson here. We know what Tooney's going to get on the open market. We know Graham Glasgow. He's probably going to get a pretty nice deal on the open market. Sharice probably going to get re-signed by Washington. So Gabe Jackson, a guy who had his worst season last year because of injury, you know, he's 28 years old. He's set to make $9.5 million over the next three seasons, you know, each year annually. So it's, it's a pretty big contract. He's currently top five as a guard. But he's one of the better guards in football when he's healthy. So – I don't know your thoughts on that because if you're going to trade for a left tackle or a right tackle in Trent Williams, I think you got to at least entertain a trade for Gabe Jackson. And, you know, Trey Turner just got traded from Carolina for Russell Okung, and you kind of hope the Dolphins were in on that because that was a great trade, and I thought the Dolphins should have been interested in that. So how do you feel about Gabe Jackson? Is that someone that you think the Dolphins should target? So I'm going to go a little um, always sunny on Philadelphia with you. We're going to do a little Charlie as a uh, working in that business when he's doing the mail. Can we talk about the mail for a second? This Pepe Silvia, you know, you know what episode I'm talking about here? Yeah, he's doing that crazy stuff at the trying to link everything together and smoking cigarettes like crazy. So hear me out. So you start key number one, Reggie McKenzie. You think about if anybody knows what this 
guard is capable of if he's worth this $9.5 million a year, I think it would be him. I think he'd have a pretty good grasp of it. Point number two, don't the Dolphins have a player of their own who's a little on the older side, who's looking for a change of scenery? The Raiders, they're in kind of a weird spot where I think Rudin doesn't want to rebuild. I think he wants to compete every year. I think he's not really someone to kind of tank and, and blow it up. Why not just like, uh, you know, for someone who really needs a change of scenery and he doesn't really look like part of the plans for the Dolphins as much as I hate to admit it, why not a Rashad Jones for Gabe Jackson type deal? I'd be all for that. And as much as I'd hate to see Rashad Jones go anywhere else and play, I mean, I think it's kind of inevitable at this point because, you know, he has the injury history. He's making a large contract this year. I think he's getting paid a lot of money. So if they can move him for a guard like Gabe Jackson, 28 years old, you know, his contract's pretty favorable. Why not do that? And I think that'd be a great way to start. You mentioned the secondary. I mean, the Dolphins have a bunch of needs in the secondary, and I know we're going to talk about it here. How do you see the secondary playing out? Because I do recall the Dolphins having a lot of interest in Tremaine Johnson a couple years ago. He was very good. Uh, I believe it was with the the Rams. Went to the New York Jets. Really kind of fell off last season. I know we'll mention him, but, but how do you see the secondary playing out? And do you think Tremaine Johnson could be a guy on the Dolphins' radar? Would you call? Would you would you say that as we sit here on on March tenth? Is Bobby McCain a starter for your 2020 Miami Dolphins? Knowing nothing else, would you would you pencil him in as that? Whether it doesn't matter for what spot right now. We're gonna say the Dolphins they play five guys in the secondary. Would you say Bobby McCain is going to be one of those guys on opening day, and you're happy with that? I, I'm I'm going to say he will be a starter, but I'm not going to say I'm happy with that because it would really depend on where he is. And I do think you know he had that nice season as a. You know, that shutdown, that nickel corner, he, that's why he got that big paycheck. Then he moved back to safety. He didn't quite get it done. I think another year in this scheme, you know, with Brian Flores coaching him along, I mean, Eric Rowe was brought in. He was kind of one of those resurgent projects. You know, he was a guy who was a low-risk signing who became a high reward. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. Eric Rowe outperformed what many people believed he'd become. You saw it with Nick Needham. You know, you saw it with a bunch of these guys. So I, I think they could definitely – upgrade that position whether it be nickel or whether it be at safety but I do think Bobby McCain based on that contract based on just the type of player he is and you know the potential he's shown throughout his career I think he will be a starter but am I happy with it I can't honestly say I'd be happy with that so for the sake of this um the Dolphins need three pieces we'll we'll say he's not a starter for now we'll say they need three guys in that secondary um I think if it's the type of guy that fits the Flores system I think Tremaine Johnson would be a nice fit um, not necessarily for the long term, but you mentioned it, how the Patriots have those four comp picks and you need to kind of sign guys like this and let them play out the one year, let them see how they do. If they're great, you let them go. If they stink, you let them go. Uh, the good thing is if you let them go when they're good, you get the compensation pick out of it. You think about the Brent Grimes contract. It must've been 2013. I think they signed him to that one year, $5 million prove it. Obviously he was coming off of injury. So it's a little different. Uh, Johnson might be a little more expensive, but clearly the dolphins can afford it. Um, you come in, you put them in it's obviously that second cornerback position. I don't think that's necessarily a position you need to kind of keep on the books in terms of paying someone high money, especially when you just made Xavier Howard, what I believe at the time was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So you bring in a guy like this, and best case scenario, you get a nice little flashy comp pick out of it. I mean, you think about that Brent Grimes contract. He had that good one year. Dolphins could have let him go right then, but then you get into cap issues by giving him a three-year contract on top of that when he was already starting to get a little old. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I want to just make one thing clear. For as much uh, issues as the fan base had with Miko Grimes, Brent Grimes was a great signing. You know what he did those first few seasons? I mean, he was a shutdown corner. So it's it's hard for me to sit here and say whether or not Tremaine Johnson would fit exactly what the Dolphins need. But, I mean, I, I try to look at a player and how they were, you know, throughout the career, not just last season. And I don't know, you know, Greg Williams is a very good defense coordinator, but whatever was going on there in, with the New York Jets, I'm not sitting here and I'm going to say that Tremaine Johnson will never regain the form he once had. And again, he was one of the highest sought after, uh, you know, free agents on the market, I believe it was last year. He's 30 years old. He's getting up there in age, just turned 30. But he's a guy that can make plays. So I, I, I think he would definitely be of someone of interest. I think that you, like you said, you bring in these players here and they can have a resurgence, like an Eric Rowe. You can see Nick Needham take the next step. So if you're going to pair him and maybe he moves into the nickel spot, you know, I'm not quite sure where he would fit. But I do think, you know, at this point, no stone should be left unturned. And we'll get into the free agents a little bit more. But right now, we are kind of focused on some of those guys that, you know, are out there on the block and, and that the team could make a trade for. Because, again, we talked about it before the show, 14 draft picks. So they're not going to make all those picks. You know, they're going to use some to trade for a veteran or, you know, maybe I can't even pronounce his name. The, the edge rusher from Jacksonville. I think he's 24 years old, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect signing right there. I mean, I would love to see the Dolphins go after Jadavian Clowney, but that's probably not going to happen. So who's the next, you know, pass rusher out there that the Dolphins could go after and make a trade for? He's getting the franchise tag. We know he's unhappy with that. A sign-and-trade deal makes too much sense. I know Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network, you know, came out and said there's a good chance it would be a second-round pick and then a swap, a later pick. So, I mean, sign me up for that if you're getting, again, I can't even pronounce his name, Unique Nguake. Uh, that's as good as I'm going to get, but... Uh, you know, the Dolphins have all this draft capital. They're going to do something with, and a lot of that's going to come during the draft. And, you know, we got to talk about Tua Tonga Vailoa. It's something that Dolphin fans on the Finn Sider absolutely love to talk about, especially <laughs> when you say that he's a once-in-a-generation quarterback. I will repeat, he's a once-in-a-generation quarterback, in my opinion. So we know yesterday was medically cleared. It sounds like he is going to start progressing along, you know, rolling out, making some passes, dropping back with his eyes set on an April 9th pro day. So... How do you feel about Tua Tagovailoa, you know, being medically cleared? And then let's talk about the elephant in the room, you know, who the Dolphins could have at quarterback one that a lot of people are up in arms about currently. You know, I think that when you look at the whole uh, idea of he's not someone you're drafting to start day one, is him being cleared the the best case scenario for the Dolphins? I don't think that it is. I don't think that's really a concern. I think what it is is just all projection. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know that the Dolphins or any team can project what Tua's health is going to be, you know, next year at this time. Right, right. I guess my idea is, you know, you have a team, let's say the Bengals at one, or let's say the the Panthers a little farther down. They'd want a guy who could start day one. And I think if you have to wait half a season before you even have a pulse on what Tua could be, um, they might be less likely to get him or go after him compared to someone like the Dolphins who have a Ryan Fitzpatrick in place. Who can wait? Who can wait for him to be 100% healthy? I don't know if other teams, obviously when you're talking about a franchise quarterback, they're going to give him all his time, all the time they need. But when there's a, you know, an NFL where everyone's kind of, you know, the jobs change so fast, I don't really know if you can kind of wait on someone. You look at a team like the Chargers, there's whispers of them moving up. Can they wait half a season playing with, Tyrod Taylor, in order to have Tua come in, will the season already be over by then? Will Tua have enough time to really get his feet under him? These are just some questions to have. So I wonder if, 
you know, maybe maybe if it took him a little longer to get healthy, that helped the Dolphins' case a little bit in terms of who is coming up for the draft. But, I mean, on the other side of the coin, your franchise quarterback's healthy, and there's no complaining about that. Maybe I'm just trying to go a little too big brain and, and outthink everyone with that, but, but that's just kind of my feeling about it. And let's be honest, the, in your theory and, you know, in the ideal situation, Tua Tungvaloa is going to be there at number five. You know, we saw Isaiah Simmons had a very good combine. Uh, we saw Jeffrey Okada also had a very good combine. You know, there's some very good defensive players up there along with Joe Burrow. And I know we all saw the Armando Salguero report. We know the Miami Herald and, you know, pro football talk and Chris Sims. And you can list off the names of those national analysts are saying that Joe Burrow is the Dolphins' number one quarterback on their board. And to me, that that's just that's just why are you even reporting that? You know, that's just a no-brainer to me. You know, Joe Burrow had one good year. We know it was the best season by a college quarterback in the history of college football. So, I mean, he's healthy. There's no concerns currently with his, his injury history. You know, what could potentially happen there? Obviously, he's quarterback one. You know, I don't think that that's really newsworthy. I don't think the Dolphins are going to give up what it would take to move up there to number one. If that happened, I mean, I think we'd all just – our jaw would hit the floor if we saw a trade where the Dolphins gave up three – first round picks and then a little bit to get Joe Burrow. But to me, Joe Burrow is unachievable. You know, that's just, if they wanted Joe Burrow, they probably should have started Josh Rosen a little bit more. And I don't know how you feel about that, but, but that's the way I feel about Joe Burrow. He's go, he's probably the safest bet. He's obviously that sure thing quarterback, but he's going to Cincinnati. So I'm not even putting much stock into these rumors. hundred, hundred percent. Again, it's, it's, everyone has a, a big board because you never know what scenario you're going to find yourself in. Um, going back to that 2013 season, I don't think anybody on the Dolphins assumed they'd be able to jump up to number three, especially for the price they paid, which was peanuts. I mean, but that's just kind of what teams do. You, you you prep, and if they're being honest, cool. I mean, if they're throwing a smoke screen, I mean, cool again. I think it's just one of those things where um, it's the time of the year where so much information is being thrown out, and you need to really kind of reflect, is this important? And I think having Joe Burrow as, you know, your top quarterback, you, you said it best, it it's whatever. It doesn't really kind of influence one way or another what the Dolphins plan on doing. Yeah, and it's hard for us to sit here and, you know, we're fans. We cover the team and we do as much as research as we can. But at the end of the day, you know, not even the beat writers in Miami have any idea what the Dolphins are going to do. And that's a good thing. You know, people were giving Armando crap because he said, you know, the Dolphins had interest, interest in Justin Herbert. You know, I think it was uh, Adam Beasley and some of the other beat reporters said that they like Jordan Love. You know, you keep hearing every quarterback that the Dolphins like, and you know, it's Tua, it's it's Jordan Love, it's Herbert, you know, it, it's it's Tua Tonovaloa. It's every quarterback that could possibly be available at five. And I think at the end of the day, they will have to trade up. And I know people don't like to hear that, but at the end of the day, I think Tua Tonovaloa, as much as he's progressing along, if he hits that April 9th and he goes out there and throws for teams, I do think they're going to have to trade up. And whether or not they do that, I think that's kind of a whole different discussion because I don't know if you saw Armando's article today. A lot of people kind of gave him crap for it. But, you know, it doesn't really come down to how the team feels. You know, they reach out to those doctors, and he mentioned, you know, the Drew Brees situation. You know, he mentioned a couple other situations where the doctors just weren't confident enough or just weren't able to say, you know, confidently that he is going to be at this point next season. So it's a lot of projection, and I think we need to realize that. You know, does Chris Greer or Brian Flores – hinge their career on a guy that, you know, might not ever be the same. And that hurts me to say it, but I'm being completely honest. We don't know if Tua Velo is ever going to be the same quarterback that we once saw. But even if he becomes 75% of that, what we saw in that LSU game, 
that's a guy that I believe can be the future franchise quarterback, can be a future top 10 quarterback in the NFL, if not top five. And you said it best. The Dolphins have the best situation. You know, they just traded for Josh Rosen last year. He was a second round pick. They basically they gave up a second round pick for him. So that's how I, I view him. He is a second round pick, 23 years old. His contract's peanuts. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's not going to be around forever. We know they brought on Chan Gailey. Perfect. Uh, you know, he had his best season under Chan Gailey, whatever. You know, Chan Gailey's here, Ryan Fitzpatrick's here. It's not going to be that way for forever. You bring in Tua Valoa, you put him on the pup list. You know, you maybe even you let him sit out the entire season. And then you finally get to see what Josh Rosen can become in a second year, you know. Maybe with some consistency at offensive coordinator because God knows he's never had that. So there's a lot to take in here, and I don't think that you can fault the Dolphins either way. You know, if, if they have a Herbert right on par with Tonga Vailoa, so be it. I mean, that's the route they'll go. But I do think they're going quarterback, and I think anybody that sits here and says they're going to take an Isaiah Simmons, I think that's crazy. I know how good Isaiah Simmons is. I know how good an offensive tackle would be at that point. They're going to get a quarterback because we've seen over the last 20 years how close were they to getting a game-changing quarterback. And we can sit here and say Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson – that that's that wasn't you know they didn't have a chance at those guys you know they could have traded up for any quarterback in the last 20 years but they didn't they had a chance at Matt Ryan they passed on it they had a chance at Ryan Tannehill he was their guy and before and after that who they who they draft Brandon Dowdy you know they have a pick for Josh Rosen so they don't get in these situations often they find themselves in this situation they got to do what they did over the last two three years they've done their homework on these guys one of these guys has to be the future quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. We just gotta sit back, relax, and let it play out. Yeah, and um, Josh, are you a Seinfeld guy? Do you watch Seinfeld? A little bit. I can't sit here and say I'm a diehard, and people are gonna hate on me for that because I never really gave it a chance. So there's an episode where they're talking about the word like, and you know, you you mentioned the Dolphins. They like Herbert. They like love. Now, it's something to keep in mind when they're talking about this. And this was an episode of Seinfeld. I can't remember the exact reference, but I can sit here and tell you. I like the Miami Dolphins, but I can also tell you, you know, I like, you know, drinking a beer. But at the same time, you know, one of them I write about all the time. One of them I podcast about all the time. One, I buy all the merchandise, you know, I I possibly can from time to time. And the other one, I have once a week. I have twice a week. Uh, So there are different levels of like. And until you really get that context, I wouldn't, I, I don't think we can put too much, you know, way too much, I guess, on these different types of, you know, they like this guy, they like, you know, this guy, because there can be so much different levels with the word like, and I think that's kind of been an issue since, you know, middle school for all of us, when you like someone, quote unquote, for the first time, you know, so, so it's just a really tough situation to really read the most out of, and I think we just got to take it for what it is, where, um, Chris Greer and, and, and Steven Ross were on the sideline talking to Tua that, that, that one time at that final game of the, the season. Um, from last season where they were talking about Tua as their guy before Flores was even signed. You know, there's been so many of these tea leaves that you kind of think about. And what I think really helps the Dolphins here, and for some reason I don't think it's being talked about enough, is just how many different quarterbacks are going to be available. I'm not necessarily saying just free agents, but... For the teams like the Panthers, who all of a sudden we got to kind of cross them off, and, and I probably shouldn't have used them earlier, because they're looking like they're going to keep Cam Newton. Um, you look at teams like the Chargers, who can get who a veteran to come in and play instantly, whether it's a Tom Brady, whether it's a Ryan Tannehill. 
The Colts are another one. They look like they're set to get Phil Rivers. Uh, Andy Dalton's another guy available. Him in New England, there's a lot of, you know, connections going on. Jameis Winston, free agent. We haven't even talked about him. A uh, 40 touchdown guy. Um, also guys like Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, Joe Flacco, Derek Carr, and Jimmy G could all possibly be on the move, which I think only helps Dol- the Dolphins not only solidify their spot at five, but help teams not really have that willingness to kind of fight and try to even bother trying to outbid the Dolphins to move above them. Because when you look at that stockpile draft picks, it's going to be impossible. Yeah, we didn't even mention Teddy Bridgewater, who, you know, yep. he's going to get a pretty yep. big deal. And you mentioned that episode of Seinfeld, admittedly, I've not seen it, but as much as I think the Dolphins are going to draft a quarterback, if they just like him, and I know you're trying to say like, 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 you know, they really like him, they <laughs> love him. If they don't love a guy, if if they don't feel confident that this guy is their quarterback of the future, you, you do have to kick the can down the road. You know, mm-hmm. as much as that pains me and as much as I say they're never in this position, if you for some reason don't think Tua is that guy or if you don't think Herbert or Love is that guy, you have to kick the can because you have to be certain that this quarterback is going to be the future quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. And again, Chris Greer is hitching his wagon to him. Brian Flores, as great as he looked in year one, you know, no one expected him to win any games. But as good as he looked in year one, he'd be hitching his wagon to him. And, you know, he's in the in the room with them. We know we saw that report where he was running defensive. He was kind of implementing a defensive uh, game plan there at the Auburn Pro Day, you know. He's on the front line. He started out as a scout in New England. So you got him, you got... Chris Greer, you got Reggie McKenzie, and you got Marvin Allen. You know, Reggie McKenzie drafted Derek Carr. However you feel about him, whatever. He, he's whatever. He's probably getting traded this year. But Marvin Allen, you know, he had his hand in Patrick Mahomes. He had his hand in Josh Allen, you know. However you feel about Josh Allen, you know, those are guys that right now are doing very, very well in the NFL. So you have four guys potentially with scouting experience, and that's not even to mention Dan freaking Marino. So if you can't figure out which one of these guys is your quarterback and do whatever the hell it takes to make sure he's your guy, I don't know what to tell you because you have 14 draft picks. You know, we talk about Joe Burrow being unattainable. If they really, truly believed Joe Burrow is the next Dan Marino, they have a chance to go get him. To hell with what the fans think, you know. If you think Joe Burrow is that guy that's going to finally right this ship that we have not seen, you know, we've been mediocre for the last 20 years. If you think Joe Burrow is that guy, you move heaven and earth to make it happen. If you think Tua Tungvaloa is that guy, regardless of whether you can predict the future, you do whatever it takes. Again, three second-round picks is what the uh, the Jets traded to move up for Sam Darnold. I think they moved up three spots. You know, it's going to be a little bit more than that. But the Dolphins have all these first-round picks. Not only this year, they have two next year. You know, they have additional picks later down the road. So you have to figure out which of these guys, and we know they've done their homework. You know, they've been at the Justin Herbert Oregon games for the last two seasons. They were, you know, doing reports on Jordan Love. They were at, at his games before he was even draft eligible. So figure out which one of these guys is the next Dan Marino. You have freaking Dan Marino there. Again, you have, you know, you have Chris Greer, you have Reggie McKenzie, you have Marvin Allen, you have. You, you, Brian Flores, you have everyone at your disposal. Agree on somebody and do whatever the heck it takes to get him. Now that I just finished that soapbox, tell me how you would feel about Ryan Tannehill going to New England because I've heard that rumor. I think Chris Sims from Pro Football Talk brought out that rumor. How, how, how would you feel to see Ryan Tannehill, a guy that you've just been rooting for for the last eight seasons, go and take Tom Brady's spot in New England? You can't get all fired up on me like that and not not let me give some sort of response. I I heard the jazz. I try to Josh be I try to be profe- I, I try I try to be professional. <laughs> I tried to segue into the next thing, but I yeah okay. I'm gonna diffuse and let you you go in your soapbox now. <laughs> you mentioned them maybe kicking the can down the road, and you know, 
I'm never gonna say I am the smartest guy. I'm not even gonna say I'm one of. The, I'm anywhere close. But this is the year the Dolphins take their quarterback, and this is I. I want to tell you it's Tua, mostly on everything we know, um, the 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 different kind of uh, hints we've been given, the different appearances, and you can't kick down the the can down the road because when you think about what the Dolphins have right now is the fifth overall pick, and say that the Dolphins don't like any of the guys at quarterback, and they they move down, the, they look at next year's draft. Whoever it may be. We don't even care about any of the names. All of a sudden, you know, there's two or three guys that say at the top of the draft, let's go there's two because there's two in this draft that I think are a step above everyone else, and that's Tua and Joe Burrow. So all of a sudden, the Dolphins are at five, and they have, let's say, a risky shot of getting one, right? Because we're sitting here, we're a little nervous that the, that that pick's going to be taken from us, right? Nobody or the, someone's going to sneak past the Dolphins right under our nose and, and get that pick. All of a sudden, the Dolphins build up their roster with everything they have. The pick they have next year is going to be even worse. And then you have to move heaven and earth and maybe three more planets to move even farther up after you've already invested this much into your team. So I think the value with the you know all the different quarterbacks that are available right now, not only in the draft, but in free agency, but via trade, all those help just give you that little bit of oomph in terms of what's available and what you can acquire. And then you think about the idea of if someone goes knocking at Washington, if someone goes knocking at Detroit and says, you know, let's use the Jets. Let's say they will give you three second round picks. Again, the, the value doesn't matter. That team's general manager would be fired weeks, not even weeks after, if they come out, make a trade and not talk to the Dolphins first. With the draft capital they have, there is 0% chance there is any trade that happens without the Dolphins knowing because cash, power, these picks rule everything. Everybody wants a piece of that. Everybody wants what the Dolphins are offering. And there is no way some team makes a sneaky offer to a Washington, to a Detroit, where the Dolphins don't know about it. And for that, for all these things, I think they're it's Tua. I, again, I can look real stupid. We can come back to this in about, you know, a month and a half. And this will look, we'll be able to laugh about it. But based on everything we know, based on ignoring all the different snow, uh, smoke screens, the likes, the like likes, the I like, 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 like you, it makes sense for us to. You gotta kind of, I'm trying to see through the smoke, have those visor goggles on, and it seems like Tua is the guy. Tua Tungo Valo, no matter what. Just like uh, <laughs> that movie Draft Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly what it seems, but. But to go to talk about Ryan Tannehill for a second, um, I think I'd be okay with it to a point. Once he's playing in the playoffs, then I get annoyed. Like this year, <laughs> him, I could not deal with Tannehill playing in a Super Bowl after leaving the Dolphins. If he go, jo- joins the Patriots, they go nine and seven a couple times. He does a couple cool things. Whatever, cool, good for him. Second, they get to the playoffs and they're talking about the resurgence because. He looks like the same guy that we saw in Miami. The same weaknesses are there. It's the team around him. He wasn't going to succeed here. I'm fine with him going elsewhere and being successful. I just don't want to deal with the whole back and forth of the Dolphins made the mistake of letting him go because I don't. I think we can both agree that isn't the case. Yeah, and I'm glad you said it because that's kind of how I felt, and I've said it before on podcasts. You know, it, to see him potentially come back 
the very next year to Hard Rock Stadium and play in the Super Bowl would have been absolutely devastating. I, I don't care how you know much you like the guy and how great of a guy he is to see him leave the Dolphins, then pay for most of his salary this entire season, and then go and play in a Super Bowl the very next year. After you just wasted seven years watching him limp along and be mediocre, I would have been absolutely furious. I will say this, and I feel bad saying it, but you know, you see those videos that go around every year. You know, A player gets traded, a player gets released, whatever it is. A player says something they shouldn't have, and fans are burning their jerseys, and I have Two Ryan Tannehill jerseys. One is an authentic with the tag still on. And I, I look back at it, and Nike had a deal on a th- authentic jersey that was $300 marked down to 150 I should have saw the writing on the wallet. He was getting ready to get traded because it was too good of a deal to pass up. I have never worn it. At some point, I'm eventually maybe going to do a two-quarterback Ryan Tannehill fantasy league and give it away to the winner. But if there was ever a time to burn a jersey, it would be if Ryan Tannehill went to Foxborough to take over for Tom Brady. We all kind of saw it happening. You know, we saw the success he had when he did play the Patriots. But if he would go there, and I know he would get paid the money that he's – I mean, would he get paid that money? I guess that's one way to look at it. Would he get paid the report of $30 million that he's seeking? I I don't know if he would, and I don't even know if Tennessee is going to let him go. But Chris Sims said he was going to New England, so we have to talk about if he goes to New England. As foolish as, as it is for grown men to have one point spent $100, $150 on a jersey to put it in a pit and burn it, as crazy as that is, I promise you this, I will burn my Ryan Tannehill jersey if he ends up in New England. That's all I'm going to say. And I'd wait. I'd wait. I, I'd say I'd, I'd save it for the second he has success. Burn it. You burn you it. you got to burn it. As soon as you see him and his toe thumbs <laughs> complete a touchdown pass to some no-name receiver, I'm burning. I'll, I'll burn it to the ground. As soon as they beat the Dolphins. Okay, there we go. If they beat the Dolphins. Perfect. With Ryan Tannehill as a New England Patriot. And there's that image of him shaking, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's hand at the end of the game. Like we saw, you know, Tom Brady looked deflated, like the, the footballs that he holds. After that one game, I can't remember when it was when the Dolphins beat him and Ryan Tannehill had this huge smile on his face. When I see Ryan Tannehill with that big smile on his face wearing a New England Patriots jersey, I promise you I'll burn that thing. Because I think if if they aren't willing to give Tom Brady the weapons, I mean, come on, they're not going to give Tannehill. If they're they're trying to cut money and then they're letting all these guys walk and then they're kind of just re-embracing the the development process, come on, there's no way Tannehill does anything good with them, right? Because, I mean, look at that roster he had in, in Tennessee. That... That isn't what he'd be walking into in New England. I don't think there's any chance of that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of why Tom Brady wants to go elsewhere because they've talked about how he wants more weapons around him. And we saw how bad he was last year without those weapons. Ryan Tannehill needed the top five offensive line and the leading rusher in the NFL to have success. And uh, you're right. He's not going to have that in New England to think that Bill Belichick and, you know, they're going to pay him $30 million to be their quarterback of the future. That's crazy to me. So. Tom will tell. I mean, you said it best. This weekend, we will know a lot of things, but until then, it's all speculation. And that's what makes it so fun. Is this kind of the best time of the year when 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 we all the only thing we have is hope? It's. I mean, that's been our life, right? The last twenty seasons, it's all been <laughs> just hope and hope and pray, and every signing is always a good signing until you actually see them play football games, and then <laughs> how the tables turn so quickly comes crashing down real quick. Real quick, man. I think that was a great episode. I think we can leave it at that. Is there anything else you want to say before we before we get off the air? Um, I'm just you know kind of hoping I don't I don't look pretty dumb in a couple uh, you know a month or so when when they don't go the two around. It just 
it, it, it makes too much sense. Yeah, and again, we're going to hear about it because everyone just seems to, for some reason on the Finn side, or just does not like Tua Tungvaluwa. But if you had a gun to my head right now, I think he's going to be the pick. Again, I don't think he's going to be there at five. Time will tell on that. But if he's their guy, the Dolphins got to do whatever it takes to make sure he, they land him. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, no, this was fun, Josh. And, and and I guess our goal moving forward is is we really push each other into doing this more often because, you know, it is fun. I do enjoy doing this. And, and I think we can really get to some interesting conclusions about not only the state of the Dolphins, but where the team is going, you know, in terms of the future. I completely agree. And the future is has never been as bright as it is now. So with that said, uh, I'm Josh Houts. Follow me on Twitter at, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. And I was joined by Jake Mendel. You can follow him on Twitter at, at jmendel, M-E-N-D-E-L 94. For the Finsider Radio Podcast, this was episode two of the Jake and Josh Show. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.